On the night of August 6, 2011, Tottenham High Road London was engulfed in flames, a stark representation of the turmoil that had seized the area. The air was thick with the sound of sirens wailing and shouts echoing, creating a cacophony that was almost palpable. Amidst the tumult, a solitary figure stood, her grip firm on her smartphone, poised to capture the first-hand accounts of those engulfed in the chaos around her. Louise Trent, journalist, found herself in the throes of the what would become known as the 2011 London Riots, an event unparalleled in her career. The aftermath of a contentious police shooting was unravelling rapidly, its chaos reaching fever pitch and threatening to spill over into the surrounding cities. This London, now almost unrecognisable, seemed more akin to a scene from a dystopian novel than the city she had come to know. Her role was to capture the raw truth hidden within this bedlam. However, Louise was oblivious to the fact that this assignment would steer her towards a deep personal inquiry. This exploration, too intricate and unorthodox for her newspaper's pages, would ultimately lay the foundation for a book, a profound but ignored narrative born from the ashes of chaos. Weaving her way through the dense crowds on Tottenham High Road, Louise's eyes watered from the acrid smoke, her pulse quickened by a cocktail of adrenaline and trepidation. With her iPhone in hand, she deftly tapped out observations and recorded snippets of conversation, capturing the raw essence of the unrest for those far removed from the turmoil. Louise, a figure of calm amidst the chaos only moments before, now found herself caught in the unforgiving jaws of a police kettling maneuver. The strategy, meant to contain and control the crowd, instead exacerbated the frenzy. Rioters, fueled by a cocktail of anger and fear, surged like a tumultuous wave against the unyielding line of police. The air was filled with the acrid stench of petrol bombs, their flames casting an eerie glow on the faces of the enraged mob. Windows shattered, their shards glinting like ice on the summer pavement, a sharp contrast to the warm night. Louise had always prided herself on her ability to remain detached, a mere observer documenting history as it unfolded. However, as the crowd swelled and roared around her, she felt a primal fear clutch at her chest. It was a raw, visceral emotion, far removed from the composed objectivity of her profession. Desperately, she reached for her iPhone, intending to call for help, or at least inform her colleagues, some of whom were also reporting from the location of her predicament. But her attempts were futile. The network was jammed, commandeered by the emergency services. A brief thought of dialing 999 flashed through her mind, but it seemed a pointless gesture. The police, the supposed bastions of order, were already here, yet chaos reigned supreme. Fighting her way through the seething mass of humanity, Louise sought refuge. She spotted a boarded-up shop, the owner's attempt at safeguarding his livelihood. With pleading eyes, she gestured towards the door, but the response was a resolute shake of the head, fear etched on the owner's face. Rebuffed, she turned away, her heart pounding a frantic rhythm. Then, amidst the debris-strewn street, she noticed a shop with its window smashed, a gaping maw leading into relative safety. Without a moment's hesitation, Louise clambered through the broken window, her hands grasping at the jagged edges. She landed inside amidst the chaos of overturned shelves and scattered merchandise. The interior was dimly lit, the only light filtering in from the chaos outside. For a moment she allowed herself to breathe, her back pressed against the cold wall. 
Here in the eye of the storm, Louise Trent found a momentary sanctuary. But even in this brief respite, her mind raced. This was more than a story now, it was a visceral experience. In the dim, eerie quiet of the ransacked shop, Louise Trent's journalistic instinct reasserted itself. She understood that her escape routes were limited, and with this realization came a renewed sense of purpose. If she was to be trapped in this vortex of chaos, she would ensure her time was not wasted. She decided to document every facet of this night, to capture the raw and unvarnished truth of the riots. Carefully, she pulled out her iPhone, its screen a small beacon of light in the shadowed store. Louise began to record, her voice steady despite the adrenaline coursing through her veins. She narrated the scene outside, her words painting a vivid picture of the turmoil. Her camera panned across the interior of the shop, capturing the aftermath of the rioters' rampage. Shelves lay toppled, their contents strewn across the floor in a jumble of broken objects and debris. The shattered window through which she had entered framed a chaotic tableau, flames reflecting off the scattered glass, the silhouettes of people moving like phantoms against the fire. She zoomed in on the faces of the rioters as they passed by the window, their expressions a mix of anger, exhilaration and fear. The shouts and cries from the street formed a discordant soundtrack to these images. Occasionally, a face would pause in the broken window frame, eyes meeting hers, before moving on into the night. Louise recorded the distant sound of glass breaking, the thud of heavy objects against barricades, and the more ominous noise of police batons meeting resistance. Every so often the shop's dim interior was lit by the sudden burst of a petrol bomb outside, its fiery arc captured in stark detail on her camera. In a particularly poignant moment, she captured a group of young people, barely adults, their faces masked as they paused in their destructive path. Their body language oscillated between defiance and uncertainty, a visual metaphor for the complex emotions driving the unrest. As the clock hands inched towards midnight, the feverish intensity of the Tottenham riots began to ebb. The once dense and relentless crowd started to thin out, the relentless energy dissipating into the night. The die-hard rioters, those few who remained, were shadows of the earlier tumult, their movements sluggish, driven more by inertia than the fervent zeal that had ignited the earlier hours. With careful steps, Louise navigated through the quieter streets, her eyes alert for any lingering pockets of unrest. The air, thick with the smell of smoke and burnt rubber, felt heavy, as if weighed down by the collective exhaustion of the city. Reaching a main road, the sight of an occasional passing car brought a sense of returning normalcy. She attempted to hail down a few, but they sped by, their drivers wary of stopping in the aftermath of the riots. Finally, a taxi slowed down, its driver eyeing her cautiously. Louise, her journalist badge prominently displayed, quickly explained her situation. The driver, after a moment's hesitation, unlocked the doors. The taxi's radio played softly in the background, the news bulletins reporting on the riots, a surreal echo of what she had just experienced. As the familiar sights of her neighborhood came into view, Louise felt a sense of disconnection. The comfort and normality of her home seemed a world away from the chaos and raw emotion of Tottenham High Road. Stepping out of the taxi and into the quiet of her street, Louise Trent carried with her not just the physical recordings of the night's events, 
but a deeper, more personal imprint. The riots, with their intensity and raw human emotion, had left an indelible mark on her, reshaping her understanding of the delicate balance within urban society. As she closed her front door behind her, the silence of her home enveloped her, a stark contrast to the tumult she had left behind. This night, a dramatic chapter in her career, would inevitably inform her perspective in the days to come as she processed and penned down the story of a city momentarily lost to chaos. Arriving home, her journalistic instincts urged her to begin crafting her story immediately, to upload the footage, to start writing for the website, to bring her first-hand experience to the public while it was still fresh. However, before immersing herself in her work, she knew she needed to connect with her colleagues. They had been aware of her assignment in the thick of the disturbances, and concern for her safety was inevitable. Picking up her phone, she sent a quick message to her team, briefly assuring them of her safety. Their responses were immediate, a mix of relief and eager anticipation for her account of the events. They offered support, asking if she needed any assistance with her article or the footage. Despite their encouragement and her own drive, exhaustion enveloped Louise like a thick blanket. The adrenaline that had sustained her through the night had dissipated, leaving her physically drained and emotionally spent. The tension and alertness that had gripped her since she stepped onto Tottenham High Road now gave way to a profound weariness. She poured herself a glass of red wine, its rich colour a stark contrast to the night's grim visuals. As she sipped, her mind replayed snippets of the evening, the roar of the crowd, the heat of the flames, the expressions of anger and despair on the faces she had captured on her camera. Each memory was vivid, yet it felt distant, as if belonging to someone else's experience. Realizing the futility of starting her work in her current state, Louise made a decision. She would allow herself this night to recover, to process the intensity of the riots before delving into her journalistic responsibilities. Her story, although urgent, would benefit from a clear mind and a rested perspective. The following day, rejuvenated after a deep, restorative sleep, Louise Trent settled down to review the footage she had captured during the riots. The quiet of her living room, bathed in the soft morning light, was in stark contrast to the vivid, chaotic scenes playing out on her laptop screen. As she meticulously sifted through the footage, something peculiar caught her eye. In several scenes amidst the tumult and frenzy of the crowd, a man in unusual attire appeared consistently. He was not engaged in the rioting, nor did he seem to be part of the police force. In the mild warmth of the summer evening, he stood out subtly in a beige jacket, an attire that gently contrasted with the frenetic energy around him. The jacket was well-worn but clean, suggesting practicality and an understated style. His average height and build didn't command immediate attention, yet there was a quiet confidence in his posture. His hair, a mix of grey and darker tones, peeked out from under the jacket's collar, indicating middle age. His face, often angled away from the direct chaos, carried a thoughtful expression, with eyes reflecting a measured calm amidst the turmoil. The way he carried a small, unremarkable bag hinted at a purpose or role, yet he remained an enigmatic presence, observant and seemingly detached from the surrounding disorder. What struck Louise most was the man's proximity to her throughout the evening. In one clip, he stood at the edge of the frame, his gaze seemingly fixed in her direction 
as she filmed a group of rioters overturning a car. In another, he was closer, just a few feet away, as she captured a heated exchange between protesters and police. Yet, during the chaos of the night, she had not noticed him. The man's presence was eerie, almost spectral, and his consistent appearance in her footage was unsettling. He seemed to be an observer, much like herself, but his motivations and identity were a mystery. His stillness amidst the chaos made him stand out starkly against the backdrop of frenetic activity. Intrigued and somewhat unnerved, Louise took several screenshots of the footage where the man was visible. The images, isolated from the chaos of their original context, lent an even more mysterious air to the figure. His face, partially hidden under the hat, was difficult to discern, adding to the enigma. With a mix of curiosity and apprehension, Louise sent these screenshots to a few of her friends and colleagues, along with a message explaining her discovery. She hoped that someone might recognize him, or at least share her intrigue about this odd character who had, unbeknownst to her, been a silent companion during her harrowing experience. As she awaited their responses, Louise couldn't shake off a feeling of unease. The man in the unusual clothing, a ghostly figure in her night of turmoil, had unwittingly become a part of her story, a silent character in the narrative of chaos and unrest she had set out to capture. When Louise Trent uploaded her story to the website, using one of the screenshots of the mysterious man as the lead image, she had little expectation that it would prompt any significant feedback. However, the next day, she received an email from an anonymous sender that piqued her curiosity and heightened the mystery surrounding the man. The email contained three attachments, each showing a very similar-looking man in different contexts. The first was a digital image, albeit of low resolution, depicting a scene from a recent fire. Amidst the orange glow and billowing smoke, the man stood out, his attire almost identical to that in Louise's footage. The long dark coat and wide-brimmed hat, unmistakable even in the chaotic background. The second attachment was more intriguing, a black-and-white photograph from a 1981 newspaper clipping. The image showed a crowd during a significant event, perhaps a protest or public gathering. There, amidst the sea of faces, was the same man, his clothing and demeanor unchanged, as if unaffected by the passage of four decades. The final image was a scan of an old Polaroid, slightly faded with age. The photograph captured a scene near some disaster, the specifics of which were unclear. However, the man's presence was unmistakable, his figure casting an anachronistic shadow across the decades. Louise felt a chill run down her spine as she scrutinized the images. The logical part of her mind struggled to rationalize the man's presence in all these unrelated events spanning decades. Yet the evidence before her was hard to dismiss. It was almost as if this man, unchanged by time, was a constant observer of chaos and disaster. With a mix of trepidation and intrigue, she hit reply to the anonymous email. She typed out her message cautiously, inquiring about the origin of the photos and the identity of the man. Louise expressed her curiosity and her confusion, asking if the sender had any more information or context about these images. As she sent the email, Louise was acutely aware that she might be delving into something beyond the scope of her usual journalistic pursuits. The mystery of the man in the images was like a puzzle, each piece more enigmatic than the last. Her reporter's instinct was at war with her skepticism, 
the story unfolding in her inbox as intriguing as it was inexplicable. Her investigation started with a thorough search online. She scoured social media, historical photo archives, and various forums dedicated to historical events and urban legends. She used reverse image search tools on the photographs she had, hoping to find similar images or any leads. The breakthrough came unexpectedly. In an obscure online forum dedicated to historical events in the UK, Louise found a thread discussing unexplained figures in old photographs. Among the various posts, she discovered several more photos of the man, each from different eras and events, posted by several other individuals. The earliest photo dated back to the 1930s. It was a grainy black-and-white image of a street scene, possibly a market or a public gathering. There in the corner of the photo was the man his attire was the same style, though the details were hard to make out in the old photograph. His presence in the photo was as incongruous as it was in the more recent images. Louise found other photos too, stretching through the decades. The man appeared in a 1950s photo of a workers' strike, a 1970s image of a political rally, and several others. Each photo was from a different source, a different part of the UK, but the man's appearance remained eerily consistent. Louise's initial fascination began to mingle with a sense of unease. The logical part of her journalistic mind struggled with the impossibility of what the photos suggested. A man, unchanging, appearing in the background of various tumultuous events across nearly a century. Despite her best efforts, Louise found no solid leads on the man's identity. No records matched his description, and none of the sources or forums provided any conclusive information. The photos existed, as did the man within them, but beyond that, the trail went cold. The mystery of the man, now stretching across decades of British history, became a quiet obsession for Louise. It was a story that seemed to resist the usual methods of journalistic investigation, a puzzle with pieces that didn't quite fit. The man in the photos remained an enigma, a silent witness to the tumult of the times, his story untold and perhaps untellable. The man's elusive presence in these historical moments became an obsession for Louise. She entertained various theories. Perhaps he was a mere coincidence, an ordinary man who happened to be present at significant events, or could she be making connections where none existed? After all, his appearance wasn't particularly unique. Louise Trent's search for the mysterious man took an unexpected turn when she received a response from the anonymous emailer. The sender, a man named Edward, had come across her article online and recognized the figure she was investigating. He proposed meeting at a local coffee shop to discuss the matter further. Curious and cautiously optimistic, Louise agreed to the meeting. They arranged to meet at a quaint cafe known for its quiet ambiance, a place conducive to conversation away from the bustling streets of London. Sitting at a corner table, Louise spotted an elderly gentleman who matched the description Edward had given in his email. He was poring over a small worn notebook filled with newspaper clippings and photographs. As she approached, he looked up and greeted her with a knowing smile, as if they were old acquaintances united by a common quest. Edward introduced himself as a retired historian with a lifelong passion for urban legends and unsolved mysteries. He explained that he'd been tracking the appearances of the mysterious figure for several years, intrigued by the man's persistent presence in historical photographs. His research, 
driven by personal interest and a hint of obsession, had led him to compile a dossier of sightings and theories. Over cups of steaming coffee, Edward shared his findings with Louise. He showed her photographs from different decades, each featuring the same enigmatic figure in various historical events and settings. Edward's theory was that the man might be someone deeply fascinated with living through history, a silent observer chronicling events in the most unobtrusive way. Their conversation meandered through various hypotheses, from the plausible to the fanciful. Edward admitted that while he had spent years gathering information, he was no closer to uncovering the man's true identity or purpose. He seemed to find a certain peace in the unresolved nature of his pursuit, an acceptance that some mysteries might remain forever unsolved. This meeting with Edward provided Louise with a new perspective on her investigation. She came to appreciate the journey of exploration and the stories uncovered along the way, even if they did not lead to a definitive conclusion. Inspired by Edward's passion and approach, Louise decided to write a new article, focusing not on solving the mystery, but on the intriguing journey it had led her on and the fascinating connections she had made. It made little impact outside of a small community of interested folk and, of course, this podcast. The story of the man in the photographs remained an enigma, a tantalizing puzzle woven into the tapestry of history. For Louise, the experience evolved into a reflection on the allure of the unknown and the beauty of life's unending mysteries.